Welcome to The Mind Killer, the rationalist brain on politics, where we keep the rationalist community informed about things going on outside of the rationalist community. As always, I'm Wesley Fenza. I'm Inyash Brodsky. And I'm David. And we have with us a special guest today. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yassin Meschot. Woo! Everybody try to pronounce that real fast. <laughs> Meschot. Meschot. I refuse. <laughs> well, there you go. That's racism for you. All right, Yassin. <laughs> we have brought you on today to talk about an article you wrote on your Substack. Right. I heard you guys needed, you were looking for like an expert on Israel and Palestine. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And, and couldn't find one. So <laughs> you're the most Arabic guy we know. Yeah. We're like, he's, he's like from the Middle East. <laughs> yeah. He's, I like sure he's got opinions. Check off some of the boxes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so speaking of which, why don't you tell us uh, about your, your background a little bit? Uh, so I'm a state and federal prosecutor, according to David. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I don't even know where to start. Uh, so f- forgive me, everyone. Like my mind is all over the place. And for the aforementioned haggard. All right. Well, where'd you grow up? Uh, Happy wedding. <laughs> all right. So I'm from Morocco. Uh, that's where I grew up. That's where I was born and raised. Lived there for 10 years. So I used to be Muslim. Uh, moved to the United States when I was 10 years old. And then uh, blah, blah, blah. Some things happen. Now I'm a public defender and I have a sub stack and I write about things. Uh, of particular interest to David, I think uh, one of your main sources of corruption was the George Mason economics program. <laughs> yeah, I did go to George Mason and and was was real tight with uh, all the folks down there. Brian Kaplan, oh, nice. uh, Robin Hansen were both my professors. I did not realize you were a fellow Masonomics bro. Oh hell yeah, yeah, and Alex Tabrock. Shout out to Russ Roberts too. Yeah, all of uh, that whole crew. I, that's those were my professors. Uh, Roberts is no longer at George Mason, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I am sad about this. Yeah, it happens. Uh, and you actually worked for the ACLU at one point? Yes. Uh, that was my first job out of uh, law school and uh, primarily worked on police militarization and uh, abortion rights access. Was that before or after they became just a left-wing activist organization? That was around the time. Um, so <laughs> I don't know if it needs to be mentioned, but I, I don't. I used to have a great deal of respect for the ACLU. I don't anymore. It's pretty much yeah, cratered down such to cases. <laughs> pretty mm. much cratered down to zero. I worked there around 2014, 2015. Oh yeah, that was right around the time. Yeah, the the real schism, uh, based on you know inside sources, and I know, and it's been reported elsewhere. But the real schism was, uh, uh, of course, Donald Trump, but specifically the Charlottesville uh, march yeah. protest that. Uh-huh. Because that was the protest that the ACLU like helped uh, fight in terms of like actually make it, make it happen because the the permit got denied, but the ACLU of Virginia stepped in, and people didn't like giving free speech to Nazis. Apparently, um, who knew? Who knew? Mm. That was uh, kind of the ACLU's whole deal for a while. But not <laughs> yeah, <anymore. apparently. laughs> yeah I, I don't care about that organization anymore. It's it's sad, but thankfully we yeah. have other organs orgs like Fire that step in. Yeah. Yes. Thank All God right. Well, we, we brought you here to talk about your Substack post, The Jewish Conspiracy to Change My Mind, <laughs> Yep. <laughs> um, which uh, I think we all uh, liked a great deal. Yeah, I was surprised. I appreciate that. Uh, this is this has been like by far the most popular thing I've ever written on my Substack. 
uh, I didn't expect that. And it was primarily, I mean, it was entirely intended to be kind of a self-learning exercise for myself. So, you know, when the Hamas attacked uh, all the kibbutzes and like went on their fucking rampage on October 7th, I was horrified by what I saw. But simultaneously, I was seeing people happy and I didn't, I couldn't reconcile those two uh, reactions. So that motivated me into researching more about Israel and Palestine because I didn't really have an opinion on it. I didn't really know anything about it. Um, I just kind of stayed away from it. It's like, oh, it sounds like really complicated because it's been going on for so long. I, I can't, I don't have any uh, delusions that I'm going to be able to like solve the problem or, or wrap my head around it. Yeah, so I really didn't understand like the complicated web of entangled issues. Yeah. It just seemed like a, must be a, there. Right. Exactly. It just seemed like way too gargantuan of uh, an endeavor to like really get into it. But I, I basically just started reading Wikipedia pages and then, and used chat GPT a lot to basically construct quizzes for myself. It's like, can you tell me, you know, I would say something like, I want to make sure that I know about the Israel-Palestine conflict. Can you like test my knowledge uh, by asking me questions and then like kind of build up from there? Uh, and that helped me kind of like fill the gaps. And for everyone like having a panic attack right now and this, listening to this, I didn't take any of ChatGPT's answers at face value. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. I, only, I only used it as like a very, very efficient uh, searching tool. Uh, to find more information from much more reputable sources like the anonymously edited Wikipedia. <laughs> that is a really cool way to use ChatGPT for learning that I haven't heard before. Thank you. It's Too amazing. bad yeah. ChatGPT is going to stop existing in a few days. Oh, God. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see. Uh, all right. Um, well, so I think your, I mean, I think your article probably caught on so much because that's where a lot of us were before. October 7th. When you say uh, where, where, what do you mean? Uh, I mean, like we, you know, and personally, I was probably in a similar place where it was like, well, I don't, you know, I know there's this conflict out there and it's been going on for a long time. And it seems like lots of, you know, otherwise reasonable people have really strong opinions about it. And it's probably like super complicated and Mm -hmm. there's way too much to understand. And uh, I don't really know much about it. And I feel like you're article really took people through you know from from not knowing much about it to giving the the relevant information that uh at least was relevant to you um and you know when i've i i you know i've been having a lot of discussions and looking up a lot about this too and it was it basically covered almost everything that i had uh seen and considered relevant too uh, that's great uh i i'm kind of like gratified that there was so much affirmation and positive reaction to it. I didn't, I didn't expect that. The, I guess to, for anyone who hasn't like read it, what ended up happening for me, at least like my trajectory was, you know, I sat down to read it, uh, to read up on the issue and like test my knowledge. And I very quickly started leaning towards the Israeli side uh, of the conflict. If you had to pick a side and the whole purpose, like from the get go was I want to understand why, people were happy or express glee at what Hamas did. And I wanted to, uh, I, I endeavored to understand like their position and like figure out why someone would react that way. But then I found myself, you know, on the side of the Zionists apparently. 
Uh, your first mistake was thinking that it was for historical reasons and not just out of political animus. Yeah, that was, I, I mean, I, you guys can like structure the discussion. There's so much to cover, obviously. Like people can do oh, we entire- don't structure these. <laughs> <laughs> but, they don't. You know, whatever the fuck you guys want to do. Yeah, well, let's uh, start. I mean, let's just start with the history of the region. Because that's like, what people always bring up. Go. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think a good place to start was is the state of that peninsula area of Judea slash Palestine pre World War One. Because I yeah. think the Ottoman Empire kind of sets the stage. Yeah, right. So the Ottoman Empire had control of that region. I want to say for at least five hundred years. Uh, they the Ottomans controlled you know Turkey, obviously parts of Greece. Uh, Macedonia, uh, the whole that whole region plus Iraq plus Egypt, like they were all over the fucking place for a long time. Uh, but then after World War One, Ottoman Empire was uh, on the losing side. Uh, they started losing a lot of their uh, colonies, and the League of Nations uh, stepped in to, uh, I guess, like clean up the mess, and they Ooh, issued these we, mandates. So uh, can we pause real quick on that? Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to, before we get into the mandates, uh, as part of the setting the stage, Zionism had already existed when the Ottoman Empire was around, right? Yes, the Zionism. So that's that's one of the things I was surprised. This is kind of like a running theme, but I was really surprised at how little I knew. Uh, I didn't even know what Zionist meant until like mm-hmm. I read up on it, uh, like you know, three weeks ago or whatever. Uh, I knew that it was kind of like a vague insult. But Zionism was just like a political movement around the 19th century uh, that was born out, motivated by, um, sorry, advocated for by European Jews and saying in response to some serious pogroms around the 19th century where they all kind of gathered together. They they gathered in a Zionist Congress in like Switzerland uh, and said, hey, maybe we should have a Jewish homeland because we keep getting killed out here and this diaspora business isn't working out too well for us uh so yeah, they had basically very... like everywhere we go they uh, hate us and eventually try to kill us right uh so. so they had like various proposals like uganda was one of the ideas floated around but pretty quickly they settled how about they settled on you know how about like the land that we know as you know to our ancestors was like the kingdom of israel and judea which roughly corresponds to basically like the west bank uh area and around Jerusalem. While they were doing this and actually actively petitioning other nations for support and things, uh, World War I breaks out, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and before yeah. World War One, were they, were the Zionists moving at that point or was that not till later? Yeah. So after the, like the Zionists got together, they settled on uh, what is today known as Israel uh, slash Palestine. Uh, that's what they agreed upon as the ideal location. So what they started to do is buy privately buy land. There's some, I guess, disagreement about like whether or not you know like a, a Palestinian farmer living uh, on land that gets sold by like an out of sorry out of town landlord, like whether or not they would be you know notified or properly notified that their land got you know changed owners. There's some debate about that, but the the efforts, the early Zionist efforts were just voluntary land purchases. They had, um, it was called, I think, like the Jewish National Fund or uh, various organizations that would solicit donations from the diaspora all over the world with the explicit uh, intent of buying land in the in the area known as Israel-Palestine. That's really cool. Um, what was the reaction when they started doing that? 
Uh, the Arabs were not too happy about, about that. There, uh, it's kind of a mixed bag and the history, like the early 20th century, uh, history on this region gets really complicated because the Ottoman empire fell. And then the league of nations issued these mandates that, uh, directed the UK and France to kind of like manage these areas. So the area that we refer to as Israel, Palestine, that was issued to the UK as the, uh, as a mandate. So it was called mandatory Palestine, which is a funny name. So the British were responsible for that area. And there was various political lobbying. Like like they knew the Ottoman empire was gone. So the Arabs saw this as like an opportunity. It's like, Oh, finally, like this is our moment to be on the world stage again. So they were lobbying the British, uh, for like, you know, emancipation, decolonization and like sovereignty, uh, recognition, uh, and meanwhile, the Jews were also lobbying the British saying, hey, like, we really want like a homeland here. Uh, this is this is what we aim for. So they were kind of like advocated for on both sides. And the um, mandate system was always intended to be a path toward independence, right? I, I don't know too much about the like what the intent was. Yeah, uh, I didn't look too deep purpose. into it, but uh, Wikipedia says it was, uh, you know, there was the, the, the mandate was for the British to administer um, the the territory until it was something like it was ready to govern itself or something like that that seems to be what they were working for uh, towards uh mm-hmm. of course they had like the conflict uh, to the, i guess the decision to decide like should we make this a jewish state should we make it an arab state mm-hmm. should we make it uh, a marshmallow s'more sandwich or whatever where it's both <laughs> uh and now, Inyash, the, you asked about the reaction of you know the the arab uh, uh i guess i guess they weren't the palestinians neighbors. yet i don't know yeah. Uh, But like, imagine, you know, what anyone's reaction would be if, you know, a foreigner buys the land you've been living on and and mm -hmm. evicts you from it. And explicitly, these are uh, a cognizable ethnic uh, group that is buying up land with the explicit goal of forming uh, a Jewish homeland. So it's not just like people, like random people buying up land like that wouldn't really raise alarm bells, I wouldn't think. But this is explicitly to establish a new country. So it it was voluntary land purchases, but with the intent of establishing a sovereign nation. So Um, imagine if North Korea decided to start buying up Detroit. (laughs) I mean, Detroit might be better off. Or, you know. (laughs) Yeah, it would be uh, like uh, North Korea buying up uh, parcels in Detroit. And then eventually, like if they have enough of like a contingent uh, mass, they'd say, oh, we declare independence from the the country of Michigan or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, the reaction I'm, was negative from uh, the Arabs. They weren't, they weren't really like, they weren't called Palestinians back then. Not really. The Gaza strip uh, is the only place that you can really s- say has been called Palestine. It, it was the Philistine States. And it has been that way for thousands of years. Uh, but elsewhere, they were just kind of like Arab tribesmen, Bedouins that were Ottoman Empire subjects for over 500 years. So there wasn't really a, a real Palestinian identity. Oh, have you guys seen Lawrence of Arabia? Oh, yeah. That's yes. a sick movie. I fantastic. haven't, but I have read The Seven Pillars of Wisdom. It's a fantastic movie, and it kind of covers the time period in World War One, right? Where the British are trying to undermine the Ottoman Empire by getting mm-hmm. the Bedouins to rebel against them. Yeah, that was one of the political, like... Uh, strategic uh, maneuvering going on where the British were like, hey, it would be really cool if you could help us against the Ottoman Empire. Maybe we can have some treats for you at the end. Uh, And by treats, I mean like uh, sovereignty recognition. 
Right. Yeah. A very wonderful historic just encapsulation in that movie of like, yeah, mm-hmm. we'll team up together. We'll fight this empire and you'll get some land out of it at the end. So I, I can kind of see being a little pissed off if you don't get <laughs> the land you were, you were yeah. being told you were going to get. So there were various plans and you guys can tell me to shut the fuck up if I'm going like down too many rabbit holes, but there were various no, no, uh, that's plans. What we're here for. <laughs> well, we're, we're time limited, but there were various plans uh, and declarations by the British. Um, there was, I think like the Peel commission plan, if I recall correctly. And uh, that said, you know, the Jews get this tiny portion. And then the Balfour declaration was the big one that really set things off that said, yes, we are totally in uh, support of establishing a Jewish home state. Mm-hmm. And that's, and this around, is all that was like world war one now. Yeah. This is like in the 1920s, 1930s and the Balfour declaration, I think in 1932 or 36, that that's the one that set things off and led, led to a series of uh, violent riots and uprisals and whatever between like the Jews and the Arabs living in that area. So did the British promise the same land to both the Jews and the Arabs at one point? They were trying to figure it out. They were like, you know, they made during the war effort, they made like all these vague promises, you know, like how the British do. Uh, mm. and the, <laughs> how the yeah. British do. And then when it came time to like pay up, they're like, oh, shit, like we promised too many things to too many people. Yeah. So that was part of it. And also there was a self-conscious uh, effort on the part of the former colonial powers to partition the Middle East in a way that would basically guarantee that they never had another competitor from the region. So, like, the reason the state of Kuwait exists is to deny uh, Iraq a seaport. <laughs> like, literally, they just looked at the map where they drew Iraq, which, by the way, they also drew Iraq around three different approximately equally sized, extremely contentious ethnic groups, specifically to 2001. Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah, they yeah. said, OK, we drew this horrible mangled uh, country just plowing through these ethnic divides Um but, you know, they still have a ton of oil. And if they can just export it at will, then they might get really rich and therefore able to compete with us. Uh, OK, we'll make up this new country that's just a tiny little puzzle piece that occupying 100 percent of Iraq's coast on the whichever Gulf that <laughs> is. Gulf. I can't, uh, yes, Persian Gulf. And yeah, problem solved. So, yeah, if you look at job. the borders the, uh, the, on this area, you can tell it's it wasn't like intelligently drawn. It's like some kid just like took a marker and like ran across the wall with it. You just it, get these straight was, lines. Yeah, yeah, I'm inclined to think they were more lawful evil than that. It was intelligently de- drawn. Just that intelligence wasn't put towards the purpose of making the region coherent and yeah. sensible and peaceful. Although All right. I, I hear that criticism a lot, like decolonization fucked uh, people over because of these arbitrary borders. And it's not just limited to the Middle East. And it's, it's also said about all parts of Africa, uh, Nigeria, especially because the Northern part of Nigeria is Muslim, but the Southern part is uh, Christian and apparently that's causing like problems. I want to acknowledge that yes, like colonial powers establishing like their arbitrary from one aspect, arbitrary lines is a problem. But I think the people should still have the 
the formerly colonized people should also have some responsibility. They can reconfigure their borders to be something more rational or more suited to their ends. Right. Once the occupying powers left, they had the power to do what they wanted. Yeah. And we can talk about like inertia and how like once things are established, it's hard to change. Yes. But I I don't want to like sweep things under the rug and say they have, they're completely helpless. All right. Fair enough. So we're in the (laughs) thirties. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of riots and uh, and uh, uprisings. There's like terrorism going on by the Zionists. They have like groups like the Igrun, I think is how you pronounce it. Uh, they they like do shit like blow up British embassies in Italy or blow up a hotel that has like British administrators living in there. Uh, Wait, why are the Zionists killing the British? It's, I mean, there's like uh, there's kind of like conflicting strife between among the Zionists. There's some that are just like, yes, please give us money so we can buy land voluntarily. And then others are like, fuck everything. Let's blow things up. Like they'll see, they'll see the way we see it. If enough of them are killed, it was kind of Uh, just like a way of of building uh, uh, pressure out on the British, hoping that it would uh, sway them. But generally it tends to backfire. Yeah. Yeah. Inyash, terrorists sometimes don't act sensibly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. It's not what I read. It depends how you like define their values. Um, And it should be clear that like the the uh, conflicts in uh, mandatory Palestine, these are not just territorial disputes. Um, These are like heavily religious conflicts. Yeah. I I don't even know how to explain that. I mean, this is the, mean, the Holy Land. This is the Promised yeah. Land. So it's to, a birthplace to both, of... To both religions. It's not both. It's three religions, well, really. Yeah. Uh, so it's th- these areas are holy or revered to Islam, uh, Judaism, and Christianity. The, all the Abraham, Abrahamic religions spawned out of within this general area. So all of them, all three religions have a claim. You know, I may remind you of the Crusades and the Counter-Crusades and whatever, uh, that... This this has been an ongoing conflict in terms of uh, what's religiously motivated. I Yeah, I do have a relevant quote here. Uh, to your offspring, I will give this land. Uh, talking about the Holy Land, and that is a quote from uh, God. Yeah, I mean, if <laughs> God says it... Approximately 3000 BC. Yeah, so, I mean... Thanks a lot, God. <laughs> and everyone is like, we're the offspring. It's ours. That's us he's talking about. (laughs) Unironically, yes, everyone is like that. All right, suckers, that's all you get. Um, There's another about an hour of this discussion left, uh, but that's for subscribers only. So if you want to hear it, uh, please subscribe on Substack and you'll get instant access. Thank you.